friend, it's Joe Bakmotsky. And listen, if you're a man who might be going through just like a tough time right now, or if you have a man in your life that you care about and you love and you want to be there for them in a way that is really meaningful to you and to them, listen, I want to share something with you. Because I've recently just done a talk on men's health at this library, and I just feel like it's the conversation we need to be having with each other right now. Because men's health, we know from all the research that men need more support. That issues like, like loneliness, like isolation, just just they're tearing us apart so what can we do what can we do especially when it comes to dealing with trauma dealing with difficult circumstances well, I'm going to be sharing my own perspective I'm going to be sharing some of the research that I know is out there and I'm going to share some story in a way that is hopefully meaningful and supportive in, and just just hits you in some way so I've got this talk for you this is our episode today. I want to thank you for being here. I want to just acknowledge the journey you're on, where you've been, where you're at right now, and where you're going. To honor your feelings, thank you for being here. Let's get into it. Thanks so much, Julie. Thank you. Thank you for the beautiful introduction and acknowledgement of country. Um, you know, I... <laughs> It's um, my joy to be here with you guys today, this um, Men's Health Week. And it's a vital topic to me. And this morning I was reading this issue of the Mail. And the Mail is this is like a free magazine that's put out by The Healthy Mail, which is like a non-for-profit here in, in Victoria that looks after men's health. And I was honestly just astounded reading, especially now with this you know, International Men's Health Week. And I'll, I'll, I'll um, give it to, to have a look uh, afterwards. But this whole issue is about loneliness and isolation. And I was honestly, honestly blown away by the numbers. Because here it says that one in four Australians face isolation, face loneliness. And what I was also surprised by, because I didn't know this, is that loneliness is a factor that contributes by you know, 26% by, by, as a, like a risk factor for early death, which I didn't know. So it's, which is a higher rate, as they say, than obesity, Right? It's higher rate than smoking. So here it says it's 15. So this is like research tells us that loneliness is worse than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And that blows my mind not only because I used to smoke uh, <laughs> a long time ago, many years ago. I'm so glad I don't anymore. But also because how real this is. One in four Australians you know, that's a huge deal. Like, we're talking about you know, problematic levels of loneliness, which is especially men. And I just think it's such a huge topic for all of us. 
I know it's something that loneliness and isolation is something I know I've struggled with at different points of my life. So that's something I'm going to talk about today. Well, one of the things I really believe it comes down to is sometimes people don't know what we feel, what we experience on the inside. And I really mean that. I mean, seriously, like, you know, like when you think of like your life and the people that you interact with, do people really know what you think in a you know, given situation? Do people really know how you feel? Do people really know, like, if people, maybe your family, your friends, do they know what you want, <laughs> you know? I mean, I think it's, like, when I think about that, I think that so many times in my life, I, people around me had no clue what it is that I wanted. And I think that's so crucial to the conversation that we're having today about trauma. I'm going to share some of my experience and the hope that, you know, it, it serves you in some way. Trauma that sometimes, or difficulties that we might be facing in our life today, but also trauma that goes back. And so much of it is about making sense of our own story and finding ways for people around us to feel you, to understand you, because that's where that isolation and loneliness, I think, really, really comes up, you know? And I guess for me, how I ended up, my name is Joe Bakmutsky. I'm glad that Julie didn't try to pronounce my name, <laughs> my surname, because, you know, that's a great way to... <laughs> to, to trap. Um, but yeah, uh, Joe Bakhmutsky, that's I was talking about, originally from Ukraine. I've been here for many years. Um, everything that's happening in Ukraine, of course, has a tremendous effect on me, my family. Um, but you know how I ended up in this whole world of men's health and you know, writing a book, um, doing my podcast. It was really by, by accident. You know, just a, just a few years ago, I was, um, I was really at the best point of my life and, until then. <laughs> you know, I was, um, uh, my career, I was working at a university, everything was going great. Um, uh, you know, um, I was uh, recently married with, with a kid and, and just, I was just happy, I was just living my life, you know, and I was just in the shower one day. <laughs> You know, just getting myself clean after a long day. And my hand reached down. And I felt this lump. Like, I felt this lump on my testicle. And I got to say, like, in that moment, like, this, this cold shot that just went, like, right through me. <laughs> you know, it really, like, like it, just, it just got me right there. Because I knew that something was wrong. I knew that something, uh, you know that moment when, when something just happens and you go, oh, no, like, you know, I just didn't swipe, so that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> and so sometimes it just hits you, right? And I was just, like, scared. So the next day, I, like, I raced to the doctor. <laughs> I'm so glad I did. And by the way, I'm just such a huge proponent of um, an advocate of just getting yourself checked out early. Because you know, I really believe that whenever we have a health 
you know, concern or, or, or pain or ache or something comes up. I mean, you know, if it's, if it's nothing, then we get, kind of get that peace of mind when we get it checked out early. Or if it is something that kind of needs to be looked at, then, you know, we can kind of can make all the difference in the world. And it certainly made a huge difference for me because, you know, for me, um, you know, things happen so quickly. Because I, I, I went to see a doctor, and before I knew it, I ended up in the urologist's office and uh, after all the tests. And he had asked me to like, lie down flat on, on my back. And he said, kinda, you know, roll up your, your, your top, take off your jeans. And he did this really thorough examination of my abdominals, my chest, you know, my testicles. And I'll never forget how he sat down, he sat down opposite me and he said, he said, Joe, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but it is definitely cancer. You know, in that moment, I feel like it was just, it's like I was like, I don't know, like I was like dropped into like a water tank. <laughs> you know, like I was just all of a sudden, I was like everything became just almost muddy, unclear, like I couldn't even see properly, you know, and he was saying stuff, but it, but it, it sounded like he was coming from some far away, like he was saying something about the surgery he's got, uh, open uh, sport, and this oncologist that he recommends, and I was just sitting, like, uh, I was just blanking out, <laughs> you know, and actually, in my Simplify Cancer podcast, speaking to, um, you know, a specialist, I, I found out that the research tells us that we miss, like when we get, you know, um, you know, medical news that we didn't expect, the challenging news, in that appointment, we actually miss two-thirds of information. Whatever they tell you, we just, we can't take it in because it's a shock, right? Because it just, it just kind of goes right past you. And that's why it's so important to either bring someone with you to make notes, about, you know, what they're telling you, or record it. Like, like you know, I've actually been to, because I've been to so many specialists, like I've actually been and said, like, would it be okay if, like, I record this so I don't forget anything or miss out? Or do all three, <laughs> you know? I mean, I guess I, guess I kind of learned it the hard way, because, like, I had no idea what was going on, you know, seeing all these different specialists and trying to make sense of it. It's like, it's like you're learning this new language, and it's like you, you end up in this kind of foreign country where you have to, yeah, you have to learn the language, you, you have to figure it out, right? And that's hard. So, um, but yeah, I remember like uh, after I walked out of the urologist's you know, rooms, and they kind of gave me all this paperwork, right, to, 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 to fill in. And um, I remember just standing outside of his rooms, and just thinking, is this for real? <laughs> like, I mean, is this happening to me of all people? You know, because I knew that cancer is like a thing and it happens to people, but I always thought it kind of, you know, happens to somebody else. <laughs> I never thought it was going to be me. And I'm sitting there going like, does this mean I'm going to die? But I would done anything that I'm like supposed to be doing in life, you know? I don't even know what that is, but I just kind of know I haven't done it yet. 
<laughs> you know? And I was like, but let's say I do go through this. Let's say that I do go through, you know, this surgery, this chemotherapy. I mean, it all sounds pretty intense. And let's just say it works, because even though there's no guarantee, but let's just say it works out. Like, will I still be able to, you know, work? Will I still be able to, you know, play with my son, do things around the house? Will I be able to have sex? You know? And I think that's what happens inside our minds when we get difficult, challenging news. When we end up in a situation where something happens to you, something hits you, and, and you're like, we have all of these worries come up. We have all of these questions that don't really have immediate answers. And we carry these questions inside of us. And sometimes we don't, like, and I think that speaks to sometimes this feeling lonely and isolation. It's sometimes we carry those things inside of us and these conflicting feelings and emotions and stress and, and we don't always bring it out. I, I know that. I don't know how hard that is. And I think it's this why I believe that we should all really try to find our best to bring it out. Because I know I failed at this <laughs> miserably, you know, for a long time. I was not able to do it. And I realized how much of a difference that can make. I remember after I've been through surgery, I was going to start this chemotherapy thing and was going to be in a hospital far away. And, you know, I was, um, <laughs> I, I knew it was going to take a long time. I wouldn't be able to do things I wanted to do. So I just wanted to spend a great time with my son. And um, uh, he was just a kid. So I took him for a whole day to our favorite park. And, and we just had a blast, you know, we had such a great time. We were like, you know, um, on the playground and he was running around this lake and there was all these kind of, you know, uh, chasing the, the birds and the, sea, the seagulls and the ducks, you know. And we had this picnic with us, right? We had this uh, cheese and crackers and sultanas. And we were sitting there, I remember just, oh yeah, and he had these toy cars that he was really into, so we were just playing with that. You know, and I remember like sitting under this huge like palm tree, and I remember thinking, like, man, like, what do I tell my son about this whole cancer thing? I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to scare him off. He's just a kid. And I remember generally we could just could just said that you know, um, this is going to be in the hospital, and the doctors are going to look after me. And staying in the hospital, I would, we would talk on, 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 on the Skype or Zoom or whatever it was every day. So, like, there was, uh, and, you know, that would be, on the other end would be my wife and my son, and I would be, like, you know, goofing off as, as I do, you know. And I noticed one day this, this weird look on my son's face. It was like he was not understanding, like, what was going on. He knew something was wrong, but he didn't know what. 
and that look of just not understanding, because like all kind of us adults were keeping secrets from him, which we of course were in a way. When I saw that, I realized that by really wanting to shield him from this experience of, of me going through cancer, I realized that instead I excluded him. And I really believe that that's, that's what sometimes isolation is. Like, sometimes it's like you build up these walls around you because we don't have the tools and, uh, to, to kind of go out and share it. And, uh, but I think that that moment, I had a chat to my, my wife about it, and we decided to really talk to my son. And we sat him down, and we really kind of told him how, you know, how it was. And to my surprise, or at least to my surprise then, he took it well. And I think the reason why he took it well is because he knew what was going on. You know, sometimes, especially us guys, like, we don't want to, like, make people around us feel bad, feel worse, make them more stressed out. I think the worst thing is not knowing. I think, the, I think our loved ones, they can take it. They really can when they know what's going on. Don't they? Like, I think they can. I think they can take it because they know. And when you know what's going on, you can talk about things or not talk about things, but at least there isn't this, there isn't this weird thing that's, that's out there that is kind of floating, that is, that is difficult around, that, is, that gets in the way of us finding, feeling better. And like, like I was talking about, like those, those worries, those questions, those needs that build up inside of us, they, they may not find that way out unless we find the courage. And I really believe that that's what it takes. Speaking up, whether that's with your partner, with a friend, with your doctor, with someone in your community, I think that takes tremendous courage. Nobody talks about it, and yet it takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to do that, but I think it has, can make such a huge difference, not only to you as a human being who might be going through things, but also to the person on the other end. Right, because when it's your friend, or your loved one, or, or even just someone you met, the fact that you have shared something with them, the fact that you have opened up, the fact that you have confided in them, and maybe you're not even seeking any advice. Maybe it's just about like, just letting them know how it feels can make all the difference in the world. Because when those things build up, <laughs> I think it's ugly. I know it is for me, or it does in my life. You know, when I was in, in the hospital and going through chemo, uh, like the nurses, and by the way, I want to just really thank um, our incredible nurses that we have um, here in Australia, just 
who makes just such an incredible difference, um, not only by helping us in difficult moments, but also helping you just kind of maintain that dignity, which is, which is so, so vital. Um, but yeah, I remember in the hospital, they put me next to this, this guy who was kind of going through you know, the same treatment that I was, only he was like a couple of weeks ahead of me, and um, which was cool, right? Because he could tell me what to expect, what to look out for. So I loved it because I kind of felt, I felt prepared, like, you know, I could ask him questions, which was really cool. And I, it was also interesting because he always had people visiting him. Like he always had, you know, friends, um, his workmates. There was always someone there, this huge extended family. And I couldn't help but kind of feel jealous because I was like, listen, you know, um, he's got all these people visiting him. He's a great guy. But, like, where's, you know, my friend? I mean, I was telling people where I was, like, like what's going on there? And then I realized, <laughs> of course, I'm in these big fancy hospitals. They must be jamming the signal, right? Makes sense, right? So it doesn't interfere with all of the equipment, right? So I wanted to test my theory, right? So I went out into the main ward and I wanted to find a landline. And it was like late at night. And um, I noticed that there was this nurse's desk at the far end of, of, um, uh, of the ward. And I went in there and I saw this landline. And I dialed my, my, my mobile and I was kind of holding it in, in my hand, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know what would happen. I didn't know whether it would be like voicemail, there would be no signal. I had no idea what would happen. And I dialed it, and this weird thing happened. My phone started ringing. And I was just standing there, like, staring at it, honestly, for what <laughs> I don't know, felt like minutes, it was probably seconds. I don't know. But I was just standing there. And it kind of got to me because nobody's coming. I realized that no, nobody's coming. And I didn't get to even allow myself to even feel any of that because I was, you know, I was going through a lot. Like there was, you know, you're in the hospital, there's all this stuff happens, there's all this, the treatment, the side effects, the side effects of the side effects, all that craziness going on. But when I got home, and I was in recovery, and my oncologist told me to go on a walk every night just to see like my recovery levels, and in those like all of that time, I think I wasn't the greatest person to be around because I was I was closed in. I had all this anger and frustration. I didn't know why, but I remember like this one night I went out of the house, and where we live in Frankston, is like next to this, um, next to this train line. And I remember I was, it was, it was dark at night, and, and I was on this path, and, and, and there was this train rushing past. And I was just so angry, just so worked up, and I was just like, I just started screaming like, why? Like, why did you do this to me? Like, why did you leave me alone when I needed you the most? What happened? You know, I, like, is it just me? Is it like, ah, I'm a bad friend? Or... And I just started talking through things out loud to myself. 
And you know what? It felt good. It felt, it felt good because I was started asking myself questions and I started to come up with answers or, or I started to, because it made me look at things in a different way and all of a sudden I could see how some things kind of connected in a way that I didn't understand or see before because I just kind of just, it was all just one big thing and I started to kind of really break it down and I said like, like what about this person? What happened there? What's, what's this? And I realized that over time with some people, you know, we were actually started growing apart. Like I just didn't notice because you know, we're all so busy and there's just so many things going on. I realized that with some people, maybe they wanted to come out and, and, and really be there for me and really support me, but maybe, you know, maybe they um, just didn't, didn't want to look stupid or insensitive if like they said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing, right? Again, because nobody sometimes teaches us to what is the right thing to say. You know, when, when maybe when, when, you know, somebody you know passed away, when somebody's um, going through a, a tough time, when somebody's, you know, lost their job. Like, what, what do you say? Nobody tells us. And I think that's the other thing is I really believe today, looking back on it, you know, I think it's always better to have to say something or do something than nothing. You know, because that just, because there isn't really <laughs> the right thing to say or do. So I think it's always better to do something even because if it's, if it's done with the right intent and the right feeling, it can be wrong. I don't know, I really believe that. And, but making sense of my own story to myself and what was going on, not only did it make it feel better, but when I came home and like my wife said to me, like, are you okay? It was like, I said, no, I'm just upset about this. And I was able to tell her about that, because I already made sense of it to myself. And I think that's such a huge distinction. Such a huge distinction that most of the time, you know, right now I speak to, I've spoken to you know, thousands of people on my podcast, in hospitals, um, in online support groups, in in-person support groups. I really believe that, especially when it comes to us men, but, but all of us, that sometimes it's not that we cannot say what's bothering us or share our feelings. I think today we can, as guys particularly, when we obviously feel safe and not judged. But what prevents that from happening is making sense of it to yourself. Because when we are able to find that clarity around what's going on for you, what's bothering you, how you feel, why you feel that way, we are then able to translate this to people because now we, we, we have the vocabulary for it. Now we have the words for it. And I honestly do this now. You know? And by the way, I just want to give a huge shout to my wife. There she is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, um, for being, you know, my support um, in all the craziness, and I'll tell you more. But um, 
you know, but also, um, uh, you know, finding those words to yourself is vital. And so, to, to this day, every single day, I sometimes when I go for a walk, or when I'm driving, or when I'm doing the dishes, I actually ask myself questions, like out loud. It was like, but, but, like, why did you feel this way? Like, what set you off? Or, you know, or what happened there? Or, like, I just actually tried to zero in, like, like a detective on my own life, feelings, what happens, what's going on. And it really helps to just make sense of it. And then to decide whether I want to do something about it or share it with somebody else. So I want to, because I'm here, because I'm the author in the author talk, I want to challenge you today to give it a try. I would really love for you to give it a try in your life. To really find an opportunity, maybe for like seven days, to find a time each day, maybe five minutes, maybe it's when you're already doing, when you're on your way home, maybe you're, you're going somewhere, and to talk to yourself out loud, ask questions, and, and see what happens. And what I, one thing I will say is I believe that some of the answers that you get, I believe some of those answers will surprise you. Because we don't know sometimes what's, what's here, what's built up inside. Sometimes these things come out of my mouth. I go, what is this? I didn't even know that's, that's what was there. And yet, it's there. It's just a matter of bringing it out. I really believe that we have sometimes all the answers that we are seeking in life, but it's a matter of bringing them out and making sense of your own story. I think it's so hard, so hard to do sometimes. You know, for me, I think a huge change that's, that's a challenge that happened in my life was, well, happened, or kind of, I guess, set me off, was last year, um, which is now almost, let's say, almost a year and a half ago, when the war in Ukraine started. Um, you know, R Russia invaded Ukraine, and it's, it's hard, it was hard for me, um, obviously, because that's where I grew up, we have family there, we have friends there, it's, it's kind of a big deal. But I also noticed that all of these, you know, stories of just innocent people, so many people getting murdered, rape, torture, it was just setting me off in ways that I didn't, I didn't even know. And what it brought up for me was my experience. And I didn't even, like, I guess I, I, was, I was, even at that time, I was, whatever, a year and a half ago, I was, I was so afraid to face it or think about it. My own experience of going through rape as a child. And something that I, just try to push so far away. And how much it has messed me up my life. How much it messed up my um, uh, mental health with all of my panic attacks, with depression, with um, just being alone, feeling isolated. 
Because, you know, speaking of isolation, for most of my life, um, you know, I actually didn't have problems to fit in. I didn't have problems to fit in because I got so good at showing this fake me that I was really great at fitting. Just so great. <laughs> but nobody knew what the hell was going on inside of me. I felt like I was, like the, the real me was hiding inside. So many times because I was afraid of people, you know, noticing that I'm weird. That I've, I, like if I had some kind of a panic attack, I would just try to contain it, you know, which doesn't work, you know, or doesn't work great for you. Uh, or whatever, like, thoughts, feelings, emotions I had inside of me, I had no, well, I, I was so afraid of bringing it out that I was just hiding it on the inside. And so in a year and a half, in, well, it, it was kind of bursted at the seams all of my life. But, um, and only, I mean, I don't know, I mean, my wife knew about it, but otherwise nobody knew. Nobody, I never told anyone. And so when it was making me feel in all of, like, like just all this crazy way, um, you know, I, I decided I had to do something. Because I felt like I, um, I didn't know what to do. So I started writing. I started writing a play. I've never written a, a, <laughs> like a full-length play in my life. But I decided like I wanted to do it because it felt like I felt pulled towards it. Right? I wanted to create a live experience that somehow brings people together. So I started writing. I was writing every single day like for as much free time I had, I'd be sitting there typing away. And so a few months later, I had what I thought was a, you know, a, a pretty good draft. Um, so I thought, you know what, like I'm, I'm writing this play. I've, I have no idea you know, how good this thing is. Um, so I thought maybe I'll reach out to someone who kind of gets this whole storytelling thing. And so... I thought of Victorian College of the Arts, right, which is part of Melbourne Uni. Um, I had a friend who's been there, and, um, and I was like, I thought I'd reach out to someone there. So I went, I jumped on their website, and I, I was started to look at the profiles of the different, you know, lecturers and teachers there to see, like, you know, is there someone I can kind of find a connection with, right? And I came across this profile of this uh, uh, one person, and she was amongst all these other things. She was running this program for women who are survivors of child sexual abuse. And as I was reading about this program, I was like, I was just blown away because it was like they, like they would get together as a group and like these horrific experiences, you know, they would be like writing that out of themselves as a group um, to like all these prompts. And then they would be like boxing. <laughs> Right? That would be like boxing, you know, just like this whole physical thing. And I was just the reason about this, like, oh, this is crazy. So I wrote to her an email, right? I was, I was, I was, uh, I was reading about it. I said, listen, I, said, I was just sent her an email. I was like, said, listen, I just want to thank you for doing, for creating this program. Because like this, listen, that's, that's where I'm from. And just thank you for doing it. And, and listen, I'm, I'm writing this play and I have no clue, like, like whether I'm on the right track. Listen, I'd love for maybe, like, if you could look at it and, like, maybe we catch up for coffee and you could, like, tell me what you think, you know? And it was really lucky because she said yes. And I felt like, cool. 
<laughs> this is really good. And so a couple of weeks later, I met her at VCA for a coffee. Um, but it was, it was kind of late and the coffee shop was closed. But I remember we were sitting in this little courtyard, right? Just kind of like this, opposite each other. And she took out the printed draft of my, my play uh, with some notes. And I was like, cool, she's read it. <laughs> you know, uh, that's a good thing. And she kind of looked at me and she said, Joe, can you tell me why you reached out to me specifically? And you know, it's weird because I'm telling you about all this story now, but I had no idea then because I was trying so hard not to think about any of it. So I was like, I was just honestly sitting there going, <laughs> you know, I don't know, you know. <laughs> it sounds weird when I said, but I really didn't know. And she said, have you ever shared your story with anyone. And she shared her story of, this, that, of the abuse that she's been through as a child, all the horrific things. But in a way, it gave me permission to speak. And, and all this pain and the shame that was somewhere deep inside of me, it just started coming out, like coming out of the, like this, this black hole somewhere inside of me. It, just, it was just pouring out. And I, I don't even remember like a single word that I said, but it was just, oh, it was just, it was there, you know? It was just coming out. And it was, it was interesting because at the end she said to me, Joe, It feels like in your play, you're holding back. We need to hear your voice. We need to hear your story. You are, you're a survivor. And you know, that just hit me so hard because I was like, I didn't even know why, but I mean, this whole conversation just, like, just it, 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 it was changing me. I was like, next morning I went running uh, in the bush I don't know if you know Frankston Reservoir, but um, it's, you know, I was just been running there in the morning, like, and I just couldn't stop thinking about this. You're like, survivor, survivor. And I remember, like, I was running, and all of a sudden, I felt, like, overcome with this emotion. I remember I just, I fell on my knees, and I just remember that I was, like, I was, like, survivor. Survivor, I know what that means now. And I stood up and I saw this, the sun, and then like just rising sun, and I remember just pointing to it. And I said, you are who you are. You are who you are. And I felt like there was this spot inside of me that maybe was so buried deep within that started to come out. And I started just to, to think about my life. Like, what does it mean? Like, but I felt, I was starting to feel like this means something. It was, it's making me feel so much more whole because I was realized that there's this part that's now, it's, it's asking to be let out into the world, to live, to be accepted in some way. And so I started to just, it started just changing the way, what I was doing. I, I went back and I 
started rewriting the whole play from scratch. Nothing, not a word. I put all of that aside. And now, the play that I'm writing right now, that is called Inside, <laughs> I hope one day, <laughs> one day not to distant future, hopefully you'll see. Um, this is coming from a real place. Real place inside of me. This is my voice. It's my story. It ain't easy, you know, because there's a lot going on. And I'm also learning the craft as well, because I've never really interacted. But it's me. It's real. And I didn't even know it was me until this whole thing started happening. And I realized that, you know what, even though I kind of was probably got better at, 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 at dealing with all of that hurt and, and misery and my mental health over the years, I still could do a lot better. Not only for me, but also for people around me. And this is the first time I went out to get therapy. First time. <laughs> you know, and I had all of these, I don't know about you, but I had all of these ideas of what therapy is like. Well, you know, like it's what you see in the movies, right? It's like you lie on your couch uh, and the therapist sits and then goes, tell me about your mother. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like that, <laughs> you know. But I did my research and I found out and turns out well, maybe you know this, but you know, especially when it comes to trauma therapy, there's all these incredible experiential therapies, like, you know, like things like EMDR, things like psychodrama, things like um, uh, there's all so many things uh, that don't really, that look nothing like those talk therapies that we, well, I thought exist, right? Or we see on, you know, in shows and TV and stuff. And it's making such a huge difference in my life because now I feel like I feel like the mem like particularly that ex uh, experience of going through rape as a child, that memory is now before it wasn't. And I, I learned this thing about the trauma that it's what happens with the traumatic experiences that they do not get processed in our brain as memories. They get stuck in those kind of neural pathways somewhere, and they set us off on physicality in our body, and they trigger things off, and they happen as if they're happening now. And going through these ex this ex this experiences of, of different modalities of, 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 I guess, of healing and uh, psychotherapy um, just helped me to transfer them into a place where it is a memory. <laughs> it's not a pleasant memory, but it's a memory. It's not something that I can, I can talk about, like, for example, now with you, and this doesn't put me in a place where I'm, like, freaking out. It's a memory, and it helps me to go on, and it helps me to be obviously more calm, right? But it also helps me to feel more present, more in the moment. Having this part of me come out um, helps me to feel that I'm able to just enjoy life more bringing those feelings out and thoughts and experiences into the open 
has helped me to now feel like I'm able to be, feel more free, feel, feel more liberated, feel like now I, I, I'm able to do more things, to plan ahead, to be more creative, to connect with people more. Speaking of isolation, I started share, like over the last was probably a couple of months, or six months maybe, or more. I started sharing this with like my story with friends and family, and I was petrified for for years, like just sharing with someone like what do they think? Oh, but I found that with people, I found that people took it. Like most people took it really well. <laughs> I mean, they didn't like, they, like, I don't know what I expected. I guess maybe that's the unknown that scares us, right? It's the unknown, I guess. But I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting. Oh, Joe, oh, now it makes sense. You're a freak. But it, none of that happened. People just reacted to it like it's just a part of me. It's a part of my story. And, and that feels good to me. That feels like I feel like I don't have secrets that oh, I probably do, uh, but, not, but at least this part isn't a secret that I have to now hide. I have to now, you know, keep out from people. And I think that's making a huge difference to me in my life. I feel more... Um, I feel better about things. I feel like, and I think that's what bringing our feelings, thoughts, experiences out into the open does. It gives us hope. It gives us hope for a better life, a better vision of ourselves, which by the way, uh, is my book about hope. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy from me after this. But hope, I really believe that hope, it's oftentimes we look at our own difficult stories of life and we think we're alone. We think we're alone in our struggles and worries and difficulties. But I know from research that, that tells us that seven out of 10 people here in Australia go through at least one major traumatic experience at least once in our lives. Seven out of 10. I really believe that's, that's mind-blowing to me. Seven out of 10 people. That means that on daily basis, we are interacting with trauma survivors. And this just puts a totally different spin on interactions with people. You know, this morning we were driving here and someone just was, you know, cut through um, ahead of me and I was like, you know, before I would have been like, ah, what are you doing? But today I was like, you know what? It's fine, maybe this person just, maybe they had a rough day. You know, or whatever. Like, it helped me to even just in something small to kind of look at it in a different light. And I think that's what we are. We are. Whether, you know, whether you qualify your experience or define it as, as traumatic or not, but we've all been through things, haven't we? We all have.
Thank you for being here, my friend. I want to deeply honor your life, your story, and where you are today. And it's my hope that this show, it, it serves you in some way, because I believe that we are all just capable of so much more than we think sometimes. And, and, and this incredible potential of what we are capable of and leading a life that you're proud of, that you're excited by, what I tell myself, so they're my loved ones. And that's what I'm here, just sharing this, this with you, right? And I have this vision. I have this vision for bringing together survivors. Survivors of trauma, of difficult experience, of difficult circumstance. Whether that's going through sexual abuse, domestic violence, living with illness, going through war. Bring together people who've been through it or are living through difficult times, their loved ones, so we can come together to give, give our best in our lives, in, in, in with our loved ones, in our communities, in our work, to grow, to grow towards our dreams, towards our hopes, towards our desires, and to heal, to heal from difficulties and struggle, and making sense of what's right for you today. That's why I'm here. That's why I wrote my book, Finding Hope in Times of Uncertainty, a guide to thriving in a challenging world of today. And if this vision, just if it speaks to you in some way, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you if you could email me at joe at powertobehappy.com. That's J-O-E at powertobehappy.com. Whatever you want to say, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Please let me know what you think. And thank you again so much for being here today. I'll speak to you next time.